Well, it's becoming a bit of a pattern now, isn't it? Bond yields pushing even higher, pushing back to 2008 levels, and equities not doing so well either. The Aussie suffering against a yuan that just keeps falling. But some noises from China about tackling their current situation. Not that there's an easy way out. We'll look at that. Plus, Aussie employment numbers yesterday. What to expect from UK retail sales today? And what does that all mean for, yes, the question we keep on asking, what does it all mean for central bank hikes? Norge Bank was the latest to raise rates. It's Friday, the 18th of August, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yep, bond yields are rising higher again today. Four basis points added to 10-year treasuries, up to 4.29%. There were a few basis points higher than that earlier in the session. 10-year gilts in the UK up 10 basis points, up to 4.74%. Australian 10-year yields rose 11 basis points yesterday, up to 4.32%. Still around that level now on futures, just a tad lower. Uh, The US dollar has been down, then up today. It's marginally lower on the day now on the DXY. Another big fall for the Aussie dollar, though it's down north. 0.3%, just over 64 US cents now. The euro is down a little. The yen is down 0.4%. The pound ever so slightly up. And equities falling further, down 1.2% for the NASDAQ, 0.8% off for the Dow at close, and 0.8% down for the S&P 500. And uh, we had a lot of movement in the last hour with quite a rise in volumes right up to that close. We've been seeing that quite a bit this week. All sectors losing except energy. The Eurostoxx 50 is down 1.3%. The FTSE 100 down 0.6% and oil is back up a 0.8% lift in WTI 0.4% for Brent so bonds again the yields rising hence our weekend edition which is out later today features Katie Dean head of fixed income at Australian Super talking about how bonds are back and maybe not so boring have they moved from uh, safe haven to growth opportunity the combination of of falling inflation and higher starting points normally sets up a pretty good landscape for the outlook for fixed interest. And, and that's what we're seeing across the, the the behavior of the broader investment community. So fixed interest having been the most unloved asset class for quite a long period of time by return-seeking investors is um, now starting to, to get a little bit interesting and, tr- and starting to make its way into portfolios. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion later on today. This will be out and she's got some interesting comments about the soft landing in the US as well. She's not entirely convinced on that. So let's bring in NAB's David DeGaris now from uh, London to talk about what we've been seeing overnight. I mean, Dave, yields rising, uh, pushing higher and higher. That doesn't suggest a soft landing, does it? But it suggests the Fed is going to do more and, you know, possibly the the risk of a recession as well, maybe. I mean, that has been the theme all week, hasn't it? Uh, you know, the, the possibility that we haven't seen the end of inflation, we haven't seen the end of central bank tightening. Yes, uh, as we were discussing just before we talked, we're talking here, Phil, um, economists are pretty conservative beasts, aren't they? And they're not particularly good at forecasting uh, harder landings and so forth, but high or higher for longer seems to be the message that most central banks are painting right now and you know the determination to get inflation down sustainably you know to two percent is is the target so we seem to have made some of the early low-hanging fruit type gains you know with goods deflation and so forth but services is still very much a black box, isn't it? And labour markets, is, you know, right across the world seem to be still quite tight. And yet, you know, the, the data is very mixed. I guess maybe it is because it is services versus manufacturing. So the, the Philly Fed manufacturing index was up last night from, mm. from minus 13.5, minus 10 was expected. It came in at plus 12 all over the place. How about that? New orders going from minus 15.9 to positive 16. But then yes. prices paid, shut up. 
unemployment's well down. CapEx was expected to rise. It fell. <laughs> so as I say, there's a set of numbers that's all over the place. I can't make any sense out of that. I, I, when, when, when you just talking the other day about the Empire State sort of disappointing mm. this month? So average them out and not quite, quite, quite sure what, what you what you have well, out yeah. of those. And they're not too mm. far away re- geographically either. So... Yeah, a jumble of numbers. That's what it, 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 Perhaps it just shows regional surveys are a bit meaningless right now. And then we had uh, uh, the US initial jobless claims. They're a bit lower than last time. Um, mm. But yeah, we're talking 10,000 jobs, basically. Indeed. I mean, Indeed. One way or the other. We've got to put binoculars on to get some sort of movement out of that particular indicator. Yeah. You could say a very mild upward trend, but it's the miles of miles, isn't it? And as you said, it was down 11,000 mm. in the week. So we're so. still... We're still waiting to see what uh, China does uh, in terms of trying to uh, bolster its trade, but also uh, it's tr- trying to you know bolster its currency as well. So the PBOC uh, published its monetary policy report yesterday. It said it wants to ensure that there's a stable foreign exchange market, possibly a little bit late for that, but it, it, it's been doing that today by setting the daily reference rate higher than the, the market expects. So I'm not sure, does that do much or does it just uh, slow the fall, perhaps? Uh, and then they're asking state banks to intervene more in currency markets. In other words, get banks to do the work for them. Uh, so uh, I just wonder if that's going to be enough. Uh, I mean, part of this, of course, is the relationship between the CNY and the Japanese yen as well, because they uh, they want to stay competitive against uh, Japan, don't they? Well, I, I think uh, in, in, in one sense, you know, given the state of the economy, as you say, a lower exchange rate does help them, but they're trying to manage, you know, the rate of decline. They want it relatively orderly and so forth. So, um, and the fact that, you know, the yen is at the cutting edge now that the Bank of Japan seems to be on very much on the sidelines with, you know, dollar yen pushing up through, you know, 145, 146. And as you say, uh, something of a competitor for, for China, but it's trying to eke out if it's exports, every bit of growth they want, and the market looking very closely at what the leadership of the Chinese party will say in the next week or two after their summer break, you know, since early August, when they come back there. So uh, will they announce something more substantial? And we've had a welter of news, haven't we, with um, well, Evergrande last year and Country Garden. Jean uh, Long uh, and I apologise if I pronounced these incorrectly, but you know the the investment trusts and so forth, they're um, a, a very unsettling, and we yet to hear anything concrete uh, that would assure the markets that the Chinese authorities, you know, have got want to boost consumption. And there's even seems to be mixed messages on that. So it's a murky story on China, but as you say, uh, central banks are continuing on with. Uh, with hikes and, and uh, higher for longer is very much the message and that's permeating the bond market and that's feeding back into equity weakness and uh, risk off very much in currency markets as well. So even if, just finishing off on China just very quickly though, n- nice mm. to try and bring, pull us away from that, I don't blame you because we've said everything we can this week really, but even if they did get the yuan under control or, you know, s- slowed its demise, I mean that does, doesn't help the Aussie does it because... I mean, part of it is the currency, but it's the economy that we care about, isn't it? It's it's future demand for uh, for the stuff that we we export to them. I, I, I would have thought it's the state of consumer demand yeah. in China that will be that will be the important thing that will feed back into demand for commodities and so forth, uh, rather than necessarily the competitiveness of their exchange rate. But it's you know, economists talk about income and 
price effects and so forth. I think the income effects are much more powerful in that regard. Mm. So, All right. Yeah. Well, look, the Aussie is still getting weaker, isn't it, in part thanks to China. Uh, but also perhaps because the RBA, I mean, they're not going to be lifting as much as other banks. Perhaps that's going to keep yields lower, even though the yields are up yesterday. But the uh, the unemployment rate, we saw those numbers yesterday, up two-tenths to 3.7%. So a cooling labour market, I mean, that takes some pressure off the RBA, doesn't it? I, I think it does perhaps for a month. So, uh, right. you know, if we had a strongish report last month, and these seem to sort of come and go almost monthly, don't they? So from a strong reading one month to a, a not-so-strong or a softer one the next month. So it does. I guess it does take the pressure off a little bit. But the way the Reserve Bank would tend to look at these, Phil, would be to look at a run of months. And if you look at things like six-month averages and, um, you know, you've got employment growth for the past six months of over 30,000, um, you know, unemployment rate in the past six to nine months has averaged somewhere between... 3.4 and 3.7 it's at the top of that range but it's been 3.7 two or three months not in a row but two or three months nevertheless so it's not broken out of that range and that is getting so that hardly is, say it's yeah i mean it's getting close though isn't it so if it carried on at that sort of level indeed 3.9 is what the rba is forecasting for the for, for q4 so it, it looks like it's on track for that doesn't it, it? it may it may do um but you know we did have a little bit of a rise in c job ads this month we know that the demand vacancy rate uh, vacancy numbers have come off but still well above uh, where they were before the pandemic and still measurably above uh, the the supply of labor so maybe what we're seeing is the supply of labor catch up to demand but they still seem to be out of balance somewhat so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with uh, with wages numbers over the next couple of quarters right. as well. But is this enough for us to sort of like cement the expectation that the RBA is going to be on hold? I mean, because we, we've had that, that those numbers yesterday, and obviously we had the the weaker wages growth numbers as well. Yes, put, put the yes. two together. That's fairly compelling evidence. Oh, well, I would think so for, for September, and that's what yeah. it is. It's a month by month proposition from here, isn't it? Yeah. Because the Reserve Bank believes that they have rates in restrictive territory, um, which no doubt they do. I mean, when we look at the consumption figures and the like, they've been weak for two or three quarters now. So when you've got population growing at, what, 2.5% and you've got very, very little growth in in uh, volumes of consumption, that means that you know, per capita consumption is, is, is going backwards. So we know that households are under pressure, but... Um, so, so rates are doing their job, and and they believe it will will take time. Whether they have to push up rates further, there may well be another one out there. I think, in fact, our house forecast is that there likely will be another one before the end of the year, but but not in September anyway. Yeah, well, there could be more anywhere, couldn't there? Actually, indeed, I mean, we, we can't take anything for granted. So, Norge Bank put up their interest rates by twenty five basis points. I don't, I don't know; that was necessarily a surprise. So, they're up to. 4%, but they also sounded hawkish as well. Uh, so there are possibly more to come. And I imagine mm. they, they can't get too out of kilter with the ECB, can they? Or can they? No, well, well, they <clears throat> they have this... Uh, when you read their comments, Phil, they're very familiar comments, you know, talking about activity r- levels remaining high, policy rate having a tightening effect, labour market remaining tight, uh, inflation has come down still far too high. In fact, their inflation rate, coincidentally, in July, 5.4% was the same as Australia's in uh, in June. Now, theirs has come down from uh, a somewhat lower base. Um, 
7, 7.5%, seven but it's not that different from Australia's peak, which is what, uh, on the monthly series, 8.4%. And as you say, they're looking at another hike come se- September, which will take their rate up to 4.25%. But they're, they're, you're right, they're, they're very concerned about uh, the value of the krona, particularly relative to the Nordic rates, you know, the Swedish krona mm. and, of course, the, the euro. So um, 4%. You know, puts them above both the the, 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 the rates from, from those two central banks. So um, that would you would expect would help to support the krona. In fact, we saw a little bit of that today. The krona did outperform on the day uh, in doing its job to help keep inflation in check. It feels like it's not just uh, inflation rates everyone's concerned about now. They're starting to look at... Uh what this means for exchange rates and the relative strength or otherwise. Yeah, every little bit helps, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, UK retail sales today. Uh, now, remember that big rise in June, that UK resilience? I mean, there is the expectation it's going to fall back again in July. I mean, if it doesn't, because uh, <laughs> the UK Indeed. has surprised us before, I mean, that could push the pound a bit higher, couldn't it? I mean, if it's seen as a, a sign for even more, you know, rate rises from the Bank of England, which would be the natural response if, if it looks like consumption is still pushing upwards. So uh, particularly after that labour market report we had earlier in the week, suggesting that wages yeah. growth was a lot not only picked up, was a lot higher than, you know, with those upward revisions and so forth. So that was quite an unsettling report. For, for the market there so yep. let's see how the consumer is holding up with, with all of that you know whether the wage rises are flowing through to uh, to the shops so if we don't get that negative uh, result then obviously you know the pound would be would be sensitive to that of course and might increase the odds of uh, another hike from the bank of england come the next meeting all right. Well, uh, the uh, by the way, let's talk about. Uh, well, I just actually they've, they've said no to this. Let's talk about whether they should have a public holiday in the UK if England wins uh, on Sunday. But number, indeed, they should, Phil. Well, number ten has said that they're not going to. I think Rishi Sunak should uh, put on a very colourful jacket and say, "Any boss who sacks anyone oh, for yes. not turning up on Monday is a bum." Uh, Just like 1983, 1983 Phil. all over again. If he did that, that would make Rishi Sunak seem like one of the people, wouldn't it? If he do you think that. he could do it? I don't think he could pull it off the same as Bob. <laughs> do you? Uh, anyway, nah, 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 mate, nah. Now, hey, just one other thing as well, quickly before we go. Uh, I know next week it's the Jackson Hole Symposium, which is significant yes. for two reasons. One, obviously, we get to hear lots of central bankers, and it's an important time right now because we get to see how they, you know, they're in the same place at the same time. What do they think? About about yes. where we go from where we are now. But the more significant thing is, seven years ago, one week out from the uh, Jackson Hole Symposium, the morning call started. So it is... Wow, how about that? It is our seventh birthday on uh, on Monday morning. That's our seventh birthday edition. So there we are. Well, that's uh, it's a, this will be the 45th birthday of Jackson Hole, coincidentally. Right. Well, there we are. So Excellent. I don't know how it's seven and 45 go, go together, together, but uh, I don't know. obviously they go together very well this year. But last year, Powell did talk about, you might remember, uh, moving our policy stance purposely, purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive and the market really took note of that i don't will he be dovish at all this year oh, i think there's going to be tinges of both but um we will see but that's the main event coming up why next can't week. they just sure. be honest and say actually we really don't know what to do now 
<laughs> I guess that's the impression we're getting, isn't it? Anyway, look, we're seven years old. Uh, hopefully we'll go for another seven years if our mouths and perhaps more importantly our brains keep working yes. for another seven yes. years. Anyway. And uh, good good luck to the Lionesses and the Matildas this weekend. Yes. In absolutely. both their games. Yeah, both, exactly. Yeah, I mean, bronze is still good, isn't it? You know, um, so uh, let's go for third for, for Australia and let's go for first for England. All Indeed, right. Phil. Very good. See you soon, Dave. Cheers, Phil. Unless you're Spanish, of course, you might have a different perspective. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again this afternoon for the weekend edition. Do join us for that. It's a lot of fun this week. Uh, Otherwise, I'll see you on Monday morning for the next edition of the weekday edition of The Morning Call. See you then.